Psychologist Gary Collins, can I move this back? Do you mind? Just a little bit. Because <laughs> I know what's going to happen. I'm going to fall right in the middle of that. Some of you would like that, wouldn't you? What a crowd. Psychologist Gary Collins says an addiction is any thinking or behavior that is habitual, repetitious, and difficult or impossible to control. Today in America, we have an epidemic. I'm not talking about some kind of flu epidemic or any other contagious disease. I'm referring to an epidemic of addiction. It's estimated there are 20 million Americans, adult Americans, in some type of recovery group each week. That means one out of every 11 adult Americans is in a recovery group for psychological or physical dependence. And these are just the ones we know about. There could be millions more that aren't in a group, but they need help also. I googled the word addiction. And I'm not very good with computers, but I can do a little googling. So I googled the word addiction, and this is what I found. Just give me a, a short list. Marijuana. Gambling. Dieting. Internet. Hand washing. Cocaine, heroin, computer, sexual, eating, pornography, self-injury, shopping, nicotine, work, exercise, plastic surgery. You know, I don't know how many addictions are out there, but I'm sure there are more than we could ever imagine. In fact, the author, Jessica Bradbury, says a person can become addicted to any substance, activity, or behavior. Now, the problem is, when I read that, I said, you think even chocolate? Because, you know, I really like chocolate. And uh, if that's the case, I hope there's the Chocolates Anonymous out there somewhere. You know, all kidding aside, I want you to stay with me this morning because you'd say, you know, it's Father's Day, and, and this message, this, this topic is just, you know, I don't need this. And that could be. But there may be somebody in your life that has a life-controlling habit or an addiction. A family member, a friend, a co-worker, an associate of some type. And I believe if we'll let God show us this morning some things from his word, we can possibly, somewhere down the line, help someone else be free of an addiction. I came across a list called the top 10 addiction in America. But before we get to this list, I want you to watch this right here on the screen. This is called If It Makes You Happy. Thirsty again, we went 
you happy, it can't be that bad. If it makes you happy, then why the hell are you so sad? With those words in our mind, I want us to look at the top 10 addictions in America, starting with number 10. Nicotine is number 10. Number 9 is marijuana. Number 8 is heroin. Number 7 is alcohol. Number 6 is sex. Number 5 is food. 4 is the internet, three is shopping, two is gambling, and now the number one addiction, you always sound like Letterman out here, don't I? <laughs> the number one addiction in America, anybody want to venture a guess? Coffee, so don't forget to get your hit out there on the way out. <laughs> I guess they mean cat, I don't know, they said coffee, I here it is in 2 Peter chapter 2. Peter says they are slaves of destructive habits. For a man is a slave of anything that has conquered him. One of the greatest weapons that the devil is using against people today is this power of addiction. See, the devil's been around for a very long time. And he's a master at enslaving people to destructive behavior and habits. Peter lets us know what the devil's ultimate plan is for each human being. He writes, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He personalizes it there. Your enemy, my enemy, everyone who's read that verse since Peter penned it, he's letting us know we have someone that's set to destroy us. Never forget that, friends. The devil is out to destroy each and every one of us in this room today. This is our third message in our series, My Secret. I want us to look at how to break free from addiction in whatever form it has on you so you can come out from behind the blinds and walk into the daylight, hold your head up high knowing God has set you free. We're going to take the two words, break free, and we're going to make an acrostic out of them. Some of you are scratching your head and say, what's an acrostic? Stay with me, because I didn't know. Yeah, I knew, okay. But we're going to take these two words, and we're going to see what God would have us do to break free from an addiction or to help someone else break free from an addiction. The B starts with begin today. Today is the day, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. Make a conscious decision that today will be the day you begin to take the necessary steps to break free from addiction. 
Proverbs 27.1 says, never boast about tomorrow. You don't know what will happen between now and then. So quit telling yourself, one of these days, quit telling your spouse, I'll start tomorrow. Stop procrastinating. Stop postponing. Stop making excuses. Solomon, who many believe was the wisest man who ever lived outside of Jesus Christ, wrote this in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. He says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. So mark it down, put it on the calendar, June 21st, 2009 was day number one, the day I started to kick my addiction to, and you can fill in the blank. It's been said, the person who really wants to change finds a way. The person who doesn't want to change finds an excuse. Our R stands for refuse to blame others. And you know, we're very good at this, at least I am. I suppose you are too. No child, fathers, you never had to teach your children how to blame their siblings, amen? This one is as old as the book of Genesis. Adam sinned against God, and ladies, who did he blame? He blamed Eve. Yeah, Genesis chapter 3, he said, God, that woman you gave me, you know, she gave me the fruit. We all play the blame game from time to time. But we should know this. If we play the blame game, we will never be able to break free from our addictions and our controlling habits until we accept personal responsibility for them. So who are you blaming today? Is it your husband? Your wife? Your children? Your mom? Your dad? Your kindergarten teacher? You know, the late comedian Flip Wilson had a line that uh, he used quite often in his, his comic, comedic routines. And you know what the line is, don't you? The devil made me do it. Well, do you know who I think gets more blame than the devil? It's God. In Proverbs 19, it says, Some people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions, and then they blame the Lord. Here it is. If we want to be set free, and turn our backs on addiction or a controlling habit. We must assume responsibility for our own lives. E stands for examine my life. You know, you go to the doctor, sometimes he'll tell you, I want you to, uh, when you're home, examine yourself. You know, look out for a lump or a bump or a, a certain discoloration, a this or that. And we do that. And if we get serious about breaking free from addiction, we must do some internal self-examination. We must ask ourselves questions such as, what are my weaknesses? You know, where am I tempted the most? Why do I do what I do? And see, only you can answer that for yourself. You're not to examine me. I'm not to examine you. Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations chapter 3, Let us examine our ways and test them and return to the Lord. It's time to stop pretending, to quit the cover-up. Denial is a powerful force. And it says, you know, 
I don't have a problem. I can control this thing. I can stop anytime I want. Denial will always prevent the cure from coming, from the healing to take place. When the doctor tells you you've got cancer, you have a choice to make. You can deny the diagnosis as long as you want. You can refuse to admit it. That's one choice you make. There's only a problem if you make that choice. Healing can never take place until you take another choice, and that's to accept the doctor's findings and then consent to treatment. Dr. Phil had this to say about denial and addiction. And I don't watch Dr. Phil, but I read this. It's pretty good, though, I'll have to admit. If you're in denial about it, addiction, if you're minimizing it, if you're trivializing it, if you're conning yourself about it, then you'll never get where you need to be. To break free from addiction, we should not only begin today, today's the day, not only should we refuse to blame others and examine ourselves, we should also ask Christ to take over. You and I need a power greater than ourselves to help us change and break free. How many of you ever heard of AA? Alcoholics Anonymous. How about GA? Gamblers Anonymous. There's an NA also, Narcotics Anonymous. Now this one I didn't know about. DA, anybody know what a DA is? A DA group? Debtors Anonymous. And each of these anonymous groups is based upon the original 12-step program of AA. Each of them has had some success at helping people overcome their addictions. The 12-step pattern that is used by all of these programs begins well, but often brings a false sense of hope to people. They lead men and women to the edge of the real answer for their lives. But they never quite make it clear what that answer is. They will tell them that they must trust in a, quote, higher power. And that's right. But then the leader will say something like this, whatever that higher power is to you. There are only two higher powers out there. And you better make sure you know which one you're relying on for help. Satan is a higher power. But he will never set you free from addictions or life-controlling habits. We saw earlier that his ultimate goal is to destroy each one of us. The only higher power that can truly set you and me free and to keep us free is the power of God through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, so if the Son makes you free, you will be free, what? Indeed. You know, I wrestle with this. I've been in the ministry for quite a few years and talked to a lot of people. Why don't people let Jesus take over their lives? You know, why, why is that? And probably if, if we sat down together 
over that cup of coffee that we're addicted to? I'm <laughs> We'd have, you know, probably some agreement. But what is it? Is it fear? Is it pride? Is it unbelief? Do they think that if they give Jesus Christ total control of their lives, that they'll become some kind of religious fanatic? You know, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, that sounds like an awful good proposition to me. The life we all want, the life free from any addictions, the life free from controlling habits, the life that will give us the most fulfillment. My friends, I'm going to tell you today, and I believe it with all of my heart, can only come from knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. God has a purpose and plan for each of us in this building and for each of our children out there, fathers. And his plans and purposes are intended for good both now and forever. Good plans. So do it. You know, if you've not done it, ask Jesus to take over your life. And maybe you're a Christian, you're a believer, but there's a part of your life that you're reserving back here. Give God all of your life. You know, in that song that, that Tom sang so well, and I, I looked out there, I said, is that Dylan out there? Is that Tom? Bob Dylan said, you got to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. We all choose. There's not a person in this room that right now today, Father's Day 2009, isn't serving something or someone. So you got to choose, and you get a choice. That's the beauty of, of God. He gives us choices. you got to serve somebody. Our K stands for Keep away from temptation. Duh, right? I mean, you know, I don't do that a lot, but I thought, boy, we're working good right here. Duh. This is plain common sense. We need to avoid the situations and the circumstances where we are most tempted. Romans 13, Paul writes, don't give any chances for the flesh to have its fling. Someone has said we should identify our danger zones, and each of us has a danger zone. And if we identify those, it will help us because the best way, they said, to stop an addiction is to not have access to it. In other words, don't put yourself in a tempting situation. A young boy was trying to learn the Lord's Prayer. And he had it all down except this one line. He said, lead me not into temptation. I already know the way. <laughs> he was talking about me, I think. Probably speaking for a lot of us in here. We know the way to temptation. You see, if I have a problem with alcohol, I don't set up some kind of fancy bar in my basement. If I have a problem with overeating, I don't uh, go to the all-you-can-eat place and get more than my money's worth every time it's open. If I have a problem with pornography, I 
get a filter or a screening device for my computer, or I join an online uh, accountability group. If I have a problem with overspending, I set up a family budget within my means. I pay God first, which is called the tithe, and then I live by the budget. And we could go on and on with other scenarios. And I'm not just picking on those for any, other, for any reason. You see, when it comes to our addictions and controlling habits, we must have a plan to help us avoid temptation. The key to overcoming temptation is to learn to decide in advance how we're going to respond. Proverbs 24, 27 says, plan carefully what you do. Avoid evil. So we must have a plan, and we must think it through in advance. Maybe in that plan, we'll decide that we've got to change the places where we hang out. Maybe in that plan, we'll have to decide that we've got to change some activities we participate in. And maybe in that plan, we'll have to decide that uh, we're going to have to choose some new friends. And I can just hear my dad telling me all those things when I was a teenager. Yeah, that's good advice for teenagers, but I believe it's good advice for all of us, no matter what age we are. But I also know not only is it good advice, it's very hard to do. But there's a reward for being obedient in that. You will begin the process of being free. You must pay the price to have freedom. Paul said, don't give the devil a foothold. You know, I know a little bit about the devil. And I would say to someone, don't give him any hold in your life. Toe hold, a thumb hold, whatever. So we've come to the end of our first word in our acrostic. We're to begin today. Make up your mind. Today's the day. We're going to refuse to blame others for our situation our habits, our addictions. We're going to examine our own life. We're not going to be examining somebody else's life. We're going to ask Christ to take over. And then we're going to have a plan to keep away from temptation. And now the word free. Focus on something better. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Throughout the Bible, as you read it, you will see that the spiritual battle is won or lost in our minds, in our thought life. If we want to change our lives, if we want to break free from controlling habits or addiction, it starts right here in the mind. You see, whatever captures my attention my thoughts, captures my heart, captures me, whether it's good or bad. So we must learn to refocus our attention and our thought life when it's headed in the wrong direction. And I believe you know when it's headed in the wrong direction. We need to make some kind of a mental U-turn in our minds with our thoughts And that will build us up and move us to our goal of victory over any and all addictions and controlling habits.
Paul writes a beautiful thing here in Philippians 4. He says, finally, my friends, keep your minds on whatever is true, pure, right, holy, friendly, and proper. Paul is telling us that whatever we focus our thoughts on is what we will internally move toward and what will capture us and fill our lives. You notice here Paul doesn't emphasize the negative and say stuff like, don't keep your minds on what is false, don't keep your minds on what is wrong, what is unholy, what is impure, what is unfriendly. And why is that? Because God knows and wanted us to know through Paul, it's not enough just to push bad thoughts out of our life. I won't think about that. I won't think about that. We need to replace them with good thoughts. And again, this is a principle found throughout the Bible. If you want to remove something negative from your life, a habit, an addiction, a sin, you need to replace it with something positive. And that's where reading the Bible becomes important for all of us. In January, I challenged you to uh, read through the New Testament in 2009. We made these New Testament reading guides available and said, if you would read just five minutes a day for five days a week, you could read through the entire New Testament in 2009. And I know some of you are doing this, and others have fallen behind, and then there's some of you who just got discouraged and gave up. Well, here's my June challenge. I don't know what I'm going to do in December. Pick it back up when you go home, or we've got new ones available out there in the information center. And you can do one of three things. Here's my June challenge to you. Number one, just find today's reading. Go to today's reading and forget everything else that went prior to that. Just start today and go on from there. Number two, only read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the life and teaching of Jesus. It'll take you three months if you read five minutes a day every other day. Or number three, you can say, you know, I'm gonna, you know I took that challenge back in January, and I'm going to read the Bible, New Testament, through in 2009. So just read a little bit more. It's all laid out for you there. Read a little bit more. You see, if we get God's word into our hearts and minds, we're going to have a great advantage over controlling habits and addictions. We need every advantage we have available to us when it comes to these controlling habits and addictions and what Satan has in store for us. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And friends, truth is found in the pages of God's Word. Not on Fox, not on Oprah, whatever program. The truth is found in God's Word. Our R in the, in the word free stands for restore broken relationships. And why is this important? The 16th century English pastor and poet John Donne wrote this. No man is an island. You see, friends, our lives do touch other people's lives. We don't live in isolation. 
We aren't an island in the sea of humanity. Anything that is out of control in our lives because of addictions is hurting someone else. Maybe it's hurting a spouse. Maybe it's hurting a child, a parent, a co-worker, a friend. I don't know who it is, but I guarantee you addictions and life-controlling habits are hurting someone else. So ask the Holy Spirit through prayer. Say, Lord, show me the people I'm hurting or I have hurt. And those you're taking advantage of because of controlling habits or addictions. Seek to know who they are if you don't honestly know. And then try to restore those relationships. Paul says as far as your responsibility goes, live at peace with everyone. How are we to live with others? What Paul say? We should make every effort to live in peace. Controlling habits, addictions, in our lives are roadblocks to peace with other people. Restoring broken relationships is going to take some prayerful consideration. But after you identify those you are hurting or have hurt, you're taking advantage of, you should go to them if possible and seek forgiveness. You need to take the initiative to try and make things right. Now, they may not accept your offer of forgiveness. It's in God's hands then. You've done all you can humanly do. If the person's no longer alive or, or you can't locate them, you've lost communication, or you can only pray and ask God for forgiveness for what you did and then release it to God. Our first D, or excuse me, our, sec, our first D is enlist a support group. We all need support and reinforcement when dealing with this topic of addiction. Solomon wrote, two are better than one because together if one of them falls down, the other can help him up. But if someone is alone and falls, there's no one to help him. Recently I read this. Being accountable to someone means that the person will not only support you, but will give you the kick in the rear you need when it gets tough and will tell you the truth when you're kidding yourself. We all need a person like that in our lives. And this is a big part of breaking free from any addiction. We need to get our family and our friends involved with us in this struggle. And it is a struggle, my friends. We need them to pray for us, encourage us, to love us, to care for us, to hold us accountable. Some people have an addiction or at least a life-controlling habit and they, they truly want to be set free from it. But here's the problem. They don't want anyone to know about it. And you could say, well, you know, God knows about it. And that's true. The omniscient one we serve does know about it. But God wants people to minister to other people, to each other. And that can only happen if there's openness and transparency. This is one of my prayers for Faith Fellowship, that we will be a church where it's okay for people to admit they're not perfect. 
the place will be okay for people to acknowledge they have weaknesses and struggles in their lives. A place where people can be open and transparent and be ministered to by other caring and loving brothers and sisters in Christ. And I believe, personally, this is one of the most important parts and aspects of being in a small group. A small group setting is an environment where people get together, they encourage each other, they support each other, they pray for each other, they love each other through thick and thin. A small group is where we learn that there are some other people that have gone some pretty, through some pretty tough things in their life. But these same people will tell you that with God's help, they made the tough changes that brought about the healing and wholeness that they now live in. So if you're not in a small group, I'm going to keep praying that, that all of you will be in a small group. But if you're not in one, you should consider joining one because we have a variety of small groups here at Faith Fellowship. And any Sunday morning, you can check it out at the Information Center and talk to someone about the various small groups that are available. Focus on something better. Restore broken relationships. Enlist a support group. And then, finally, extend ourselves to others. Extend ourselves to others. In 2 Corinthians... Paul writes, Christ helps us in all our troubles so that we are able to help others in trouble using the same help that we ourselves have received from God. Paul says, here's how it works. When we have problems, life-controlling habits, addictions in our lives, we turn to Jesus Christ for help. And after Christ does his work of healing and setting us free from those things. He wants us then to find someone else to help. That maybe has the same problem that we encountered. There's nothing more fulfilling in this life than knowing that God is using you to help other people. You'll probably be surprised to know that God doesn't use your strengths but your weaknesses, that very area in your life that you and I, those areas that we don't want anybody else to know about, God can use it to bring help to others. In Galatians 6, chapter 2, Paul writes, you obey the law of Christ when you offer each other a helping hand. This verse tells us that if you and I want to be like Jesus, if we want to be loving and have the law of Christ working in our lives, if we want to reach out with a helping hand and and carry each other's burdens, you see there are few burdens in life that are any heavier than those of addiction and life-controlling habits. Paul says we need to extend ourselves Go out of our way sometimes. Go the extra mile. To offer people help and encouragement and support. We also need to realize that in and of ourselves we can do nothing for anyone. So we point them in the direction of Jesus Christ. 
and we let them know they can find hope in a verse such as this. God keeps his promise. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond your power to resist. At the time you're tempted, he will give you the strength to endure it and so provide you with a way out. You know, God says, I will stake my reputation on this. I will make a promise to any of you. I will give you inner power by way of my Holy Spirit to overcome that temptation, that habit, that addiction. Now we can claim this verse if we've made Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives. And the Bible makes it very plain. We didn't need the words of a Bob Dylan song to remind us. The Bible lets us know we're going to serve somebody or something in our lives. And so how about it this morning? What are you serving? Who are you serving? Is it your habits? Your addictions? Is it the devil? Is it the Lord? I know with all that's within me that God wants each of us to be free and not bound to any destructive habit or addiction. He wants you to be free. He wants you to come out from behind the blinds. He wants you to know the joy and the peace and the happiness that comes by being set free from those things. So begin today, not tomorrow. Refuse to blame others. Examine your own life. Ask Christ to take over. Keep away from temptation. Focus on something better. Restore broken relationships. Enlist a support group. And extend yourself to other people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have the wonderful privilege of calling you Father. Lord, we heard the band sing about fields of grace and dancing with our Father God. And, oh, Lord, it just stirs our hearts to know how much you love us. That you loved us so much that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us, your Son. Lord, we know that you don't want us bound in any way to habits or addictions that would destroy us, that would imprison us. Lord, help us to not only mentally but in our hearts understand today that the devil has a design to destroy each of us, a plan and a purpose for each of our lives, and it's not good. Whereas you, Heavenly Father, have a good plan in store for each of us. Lord, I pray for those who maybe are distant from you today or have never made that commitment of asking Christ to take over their lives, that you would give them that nudge, that they would say, yes, I'm going to do that. And Lord, I pray for those who maybe know someone who has a life-controlling habit or addiction, a family member, a co-worker, that you would use us in some small way to bring hope and healing to those people. We thank you for loving us this day. We thank you for setting us free and giving us the promise of new life. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The band's going to play a song, and then after they do,
as it's been told earlier, you that cannot stay for the communion service, feel free to just exit the room. And then those who are going to stay, we're going to ask you to come to the center section. If you'll just move from your seat to the center section. God bless you. Men, happy Father's Day.